I'm Kevin Pankers. And I'm Donna Carter. And you're listening to Girl on the Go, and I'm a little sniffly, and I apologize. Okay. 100% full disclosure, and we won't get into it. Had a bit of a panic attack shortly before this episode. So, wow, I'm in a weird headspace. <laughs> but I'm a big believer in authenticity and transparency, so okay. there's that. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. And, you know. We won't go into it. The show it, must go on. Show, honestly, yeah. Well, to be fair, mom was like, do you want to do, do this later? And I... Because I, no, I want to do it now. (laughs) So let's do it now. Um, How are you? I'm. (laughs) Aside from witnessing your youngest daughter having a panic attack. I'm fine. I've had one myself. I've seen you have them before. Uh, You know, I wasn't alarmed. No. I was more concerned to figure out what what brought this on. Well, that's the fun thing about anxiety disorders is sometimes, I mean, I, that's not true. I haven't had an anxiety attack for no reason, but you know, yeah, my brain is the short answer. <laughs> Having a brain is hard. Uh, it's just, it's, <laughs> brains, we were just, brains are high maintenance. We were just talking about the phrase, uh, what fresh hell is this? And that's, <laughs> that's, that's the way I describe my brain in this most recent season of life. <laughs> oh, I thought what it was are we doing Shakespeare, now? but it turns out it Dorothy was a 20th Parker. century comedian. Yeah, and, and staff writer of, of the New York Times, I think it was. I think it's hilarious that she used to say that every, every time, time the, the doorbell, doorbell rang. rang. How fresh hell is this? <laughs> Someone who really was a people lover. Loved apparently. people. Yeah. yeah, just thrilled with every, <laughs> every interaction. Honestly, I can relate. So I named this podcast How to Pray in Chinese. You're very good at Chinese. Yes. Oh, yes. Which dialect was it? Mandarin. Okay. You're great at Mandarin. Oh, yeah. Your Mandarin is outstanding. It is. And you may be thinking I'm going to, you know, actually give you a lesson in Chinese today. I am not. Although I could. No, you couldn't. That's a lie. <laughs> it's an absolute lie. Oh, come lie. on. I have a truly startling command of the Mandarin Yeah, language. you have one word, I think. Yeah. Sibwa lai shu. Which is Romans. No, Hebrews. Hebrews. Yeah. And honestly, I spend hours trying to learn (laughs) a verse of scripture in Mandarin before we went to China because we were going to be connecting with the underground church. And Hebrews 13.3 says, don't forget about those in prison. Suffer with them as though you were there yourself. Share the sorrow of those being mistreated as though you feel their pain in your own bodies. My idea was that it would be a wonderful expression of solidarity with persecuted Christians if I could quote this verse to them in their own language. Well, I'm not by nature a quitter, but um, in the midst of a very busy fall, um, we had some unexpected and very emotionally draining events happen. And so I abandoned my attempt to memorize the verse after only learning part of it i didn't know it was only one word at yeah that yeah yeah you, it sounds like a whole phrase it's not um the other thing we should mention is like you are not bilingual in any language you speak english you can get by in some spanish oh not really you no. know some spanish i words. know a few words but... um and you can probably understand a little bit yeah and um, i know a few french words but that's uh, so you've it. got a li- you've got a li- you've got a full germanic language you've got so a smattering of two romantic languages 
Mandarin is a total language. It's completely oh, different. So different. It works exactly so none of the same ways that the languages yeah. we speak. I do not work. have the neural pathways. You for that. sure don't. Well, someone once described language to me as like when you're born, it's like you're mm. in a grocery store and all of the sounds you could ever possibly need are available to you. And so you start looking at your recipe card and you take the things off the mm. shelf you're going to need. And then at a certain age, you leave the grocery store and now you only have what's in your pantry. Oh, that's so perfect. Yeah. That's and really so true. you did not have like any of what you needed for no, that recipe. No, no, did not. Yeah. You I were, you were how slow it was to learn. Yeah. Especially to get the, you know, the tones right, but also the words right. Um, yeah. That you was... were trying to make a souffle and you only had the ingredients for like chili. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> anyway, our, our, um, our translators in China were brothers, these two young Chinese Christian men from Hong Kong. They'd gone to college in the U.S., so they were very, very easy to communicate with. Yeah. Um, not only um, from the perspective that they spoke English very well, but they they kind of got the idiom and the yeah, sense of yeah, humor yeah. and stuff, right? Yeah. So I made the mistake of telling them that I had attempted to learn this <laughs> verse. And they asked me to quote as much as I had retained. And so careful <laughs> to get all the tones right, I said, si bois lai shu. And after telling me my Mandarin was very good. <laughs> that's, that's, that's almost more embarrassing. Uh, Matt couldn't help but smirk at his brother when he told me that what I had memorized was the word er, Hebrews. Hebrews. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, now, uh, I've, I've alluded to persecution and underground church and stuff. And, and you might, our listeners might be wondering, why is the church in China underground? Like, yeah, I was actually going to stop you and be like, in case you don't yeah, know. Yeah, because yeah. not everyone does. No, no. And, and people assume with the advances in human rights, there's, there's religious freedom. Yeah, I know. They're not doing so, so well. I was making a bit of a rights. cringy face. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. But... And according to the government there, there is religious freedom. Well, And there are government-sanctioned Christian churches. Uh However... Sanctioned and regulated. Yes, exactly. They're monitored really closely, and they only have as much freedom as the local authorities want them to have. Uh And in some areas, that's a lot, and in others, it's very little. According to the law, the churches, the official churches, can't share Jesus with anyone under 18. Um, they can't teach biblical prophecy. They can't talk about Jesus teaching on the kingdom of God, um, the passages about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and a That's whole weird. lot of other things. So the people in the underground church believe that Jesus is the head of the church, not the government. And so they just choose to operate outside the government's reach. Yeah. Also, there aren't nearly enough government-sanctioned churches to accommodate the number of Christians. And people... Most people don't have a car, and like if it's in another town, you could like you're gonna cycle, you know, yeah, uh, t- to the church. So as a result, the vast majority of Christians are considered criminals because yeah. they're underground. Now they so that what that means is that they can be arrested, tortured, and held without charges or trial for up to three years. Many people that we met had been in prison several times. It, it kind of felt a little bit like we'd stepped back into the book of Acts. Oh, yeah. You know, where the apostles were imprisoned and tortured, imprisoned and tortured and experienced miracles and saw the church explode with growth. These these Christians in China, they were the real deal. And all of that stuff was going on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we've 
probably all met people who claim to be Christians and then were disappointed in their hypocrisy. I'm, and we may have been those people. Yeah, yes, we may I have. I speak for myself, but probably, yeah. yeah uh, for, for sure, at times I have been. But the, the Chinese Christians I met have proved their commitment by suffering and sacrificing for what they believe. One of them was a guy named Chris. Chris was our driver and our guide while we were in the Beijing area. He had planted 20 churches by the time he was 16. Oh, that's so many. And um, that was when he went to prison for the first of six times. Six times when we met him. I mean, who knows Probably how many more, it is Probably more, yeah. Now. Also, are these the real name? Like, they're real no. names? Okay. No, they've all... They've all taken on different names. Yeah. Well, and and shockingly, shockingly Anglo names. Yeah. Most of them are Bible names, actually. I wouldn't be surprised if he picked Chris because it's like Christian. But um, anyway, these incredibly courageous Christians have given their whole lives to carrying out the mission of Jesus. But they have also learned to give God their hours. Now, you're probably thinking, okay, How can you give God your whole life without giving him your hours? (laughs) I think we do it all the time, actually. We say, God, I give you my life, but can it wait one hour? There's something I really want to do first. You know, I know you want me to get out of bed and meet with you, but I just really need this hour of sleep. I am guilty of this. Uh, I know you want me to talk to that neighbor about Jesus, but I really need to clean my house (laughs) or... I know you want me to serve that homeless man right now, but I'm in a hurry. You know, I and apparently I'm not the only one with this problem. In Luke uh, chapter 9, Jesus said to someone, follow me. And the guy said, certainly, but first excuse me for a couple of days, please. <laughs> give, me, give me a minute, yeah. I have to make arrangements for my father's funeral. Scholars believe that this man's father wasn't even dying. <laughs> I was going to say that makes it seem less like harsh brutal yeah Yeah. and jesus refused he said first things first your business is life not death and life is urgent announce god's kingdom then another said i'm ready to follow you master but first excuse me while i get things straightened out at home like things are ever going to be straightened out at home not in my home (laughs) and jesus said no procrastination no backward looks you can't put god's kingdom off until tomorrow seize the day So I believe the first heart cry of the underground church is a cry of devotion. God, I give you my hours, all my hours of all my days for all my life. So how does that prayer, that heart cry play out in China? Well, I mean, I was only there two weeks. I'm not an expert, but this is what I observed. One of the You can only say Mm -hmm. Hebrews. It's true. Um, thankfully, most of these people we met spoke English. <laughs> um, one of the leaders we met responded to a terrible earthquake in Sichuan province. Um, I'm thinking it was around 2005, 2003, something like that. that anyway, right. matters not. Um, he said to his network of like over a million people, he said, our worship is underground but our love is not underground. And get this, within three days, over a thousand Christians had quit their jobs and bought one-way bus tickets and moved into the area affected by the earthquake. Whoa. Just for the sole purpose of practically loving the earthquake victims. 
and like not that they would have like where would you stay right that the people who lived there yeah. were already demolished yeah. bring a tent a pretty amazing commitment well and the the government at the time was not mobilizing well they um in some the more rural in areas. some places they did but um they weren't they were offering some relief to the victims but not to the people who came to serve the victims oh yeah well for sure yeah so in some ways I think it really does seem easier to give God our whole lives than it is. Or just tithe. (laughs) Take my money. (laughs) But easier to give him our whole lives than our hours. Yeah. Right? Because giving him our lives is very abstract. It's not probably going to cost me something in 15 minutes. Yeah. You know, giving him our hours means we're willing to give up what we want to do now in order to do what Jesus wants done. Or what, even, not even what, even what feels important now to what God tells us is important. Yeah. Because those things can be at odds. Yeah, they can, for sure. It, it's about immediate obedience. So the first heart cry, I would say, of the underground church was, I give you my hours. The second is a cry of abandon. I don't know, have you ever found yourself in a situation where you kind of felt like God wanted you to do something for him, but you hesitated because maybe you felt unworthy. Maybe you didn't feel like you were good enough or smart enough or you have too much baggage or somebody else could do it better. This? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no kidding, right? Yeah. I uh, Go talk about your relationship with Jesus, knowing full well it is not where it should be. uh, Okay, mm. we'll do. (laughs) Well... I think sometimes when we when we when we feel inadequate, we just we wait till that compulsion to do whatever God's asking us to do goes away. Uh, I've done that, but you know, I I didn't see that kind of reserve among Christians in China. It, it was as if their their passion to serve God completely overshadowed any self doubt they had, and in fact, it seemed that they followed Jesus with no self consciousness at all. It it just isn't about them. It's about God. Mm-hmm. And I want to serve God with that kind of abandon. And I think that's what God wants to. Jesus often told parables to make a point, And one day he told this one recorded in Matthew 25. It's like a man going off on an extended trip. He called his servants together and delegated responsibilities. To one he gave $5,000, to another 2000 to a third one, uh, to a third 1000 depending on their abilities, and then he left. Right off, the first servant went to work and doubled his master's investment. The second did the same. But the man with the single thousand dug a hole and carefully buried his, ba- his master's money. After a long absence, the master of those three servants came back and settled up with them. The one given $5,000 showed him how he had doubled his investment, and his master commended him, Good work. You did your job well. From now on, be my partner. The servant with the 2,000 showed how he had also doubled his master's investment. His master commended him, good work, you did your job well, from now on be my partner. The servant given 1,000 said, master, I know you have high standards and hate careless ways, that you demand the best and make no allowances for error. I was afraid I might disappoint you, so I found a good hiding place and secured your money. Here it is, safe and sound, down to the last cent. The master was furious. That's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done would have been to invest the sum with the bankers, where at least I would have gotten a little interest. 
take the thousand and give it to the one who risked the most. Basically, I think what Jesus is saying here is doing nothing is the worst thing you can do. Mm. Doing something badly, making mistakes, um, at, you know, at least you're engaged. Did you, did you notice the difference between the master's praise for the most gifted servant and the second most gifted servant? Did you pick that up? Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't. I've, the other thing is, it's one of those things that I've heard enough times that I... Nope. You know what I'm going to say? No. No, you just sort no, of tuned I'm it out. Like, okay. I, I get that. Tune it. Okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. I'm with you, but okay. no, I don't know. I didn't pick it up. Well, that's because there is no difference. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> so you tricked me. I did. <laughs> His praise... Uh, the master's praise is given equally and identically to the servant with the more modest abilities. The behavior rewarded wasn't how well they did. It was abandoned. It was the doing. It was, it was the, yeah, it was the passion. It, the, the behavior condemned was caring more about the risk to ourself than the result for the master. So the story really isn't about money. It's no. about trust. It's about love. And it's about giving them both to God with abandon. It's kind of like saying, God, I know I don't have the background or the abilities or the personality of your most gifted followers, but I love you. So here's what I have. I trust you with all of it, the messy parts and the pretty parts, all my strengths and weaknesses. I mean, we all have reasons to hold back, right? We could fail. We have secret sins. We have baggage and insecurities. I do. Certainly the Chinese people that I met did. Um, you know, we heard many stories um, among the Christians of self-esteem damaged by abuse. I remember John telling how his father lost his land during the Cultural Revolution and not having his land, he couldn't provide for his family. Yeah. And so he sent John to be raised by relatives. Well, they beat him and oh. verbally abused him continually for years until he was finally old enough to run away. I would say he has baggage. Yeah, I think that's probably <laughs> a fair assessment. Um, KM is another guy. He he had to decide whether to quit school as a 12-year-old in order to go to seminary and become a church planter. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I, I thought asking people to decide what they were going to do at, with their life at 18 was excessive. Was harsh. Yeah. yeah. So... It, it was a really hard choice for him. He felt called by God, but he was a good student and he really valued education. And he certainly could have allowed that lack of formal education to hold him back from serving God, but he doesn't. He hasn't. In fact, he leads a movement of over a million people. And here's the really kind of funny part. Most of his work is among university students teaching leadership. He, he trains and leads pastors and leaders, and he does it with the equivalent of a, a seventh grade formal education. <laughs> I think that's awesome that he didn't say, oh, no, God, I'm not, I'm not I don't have, educated enough. I don't have I don't, the qualifications. Yeah. He's just like, okay, you're calling me. I'm going to go do this thing. Both Cam and John have become powerful tools in God's hand in building this, his church, despite their baggage and their weaknesses. And I think... The second heart cry of the underground church is, is a cry of abandon. It's saying, God, I give you my hours and all my strengths and weaknesses. The third heart cry is a cry of humility. 
In John 3.30, John the Baptist expressed it like this. He, meaning Jesus, must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. Amen. John the Baptist was kind of a masterclass in humility, wasn't he? Wasn't he kind of just like not really doing anything but preaching and baptizing people? And, and living in the dirt and eating and bugs. eating bugs and whatever else is rolling around, but not, didn't he, like... Isn't there passages about his hair being, like, basically a giant dreadlock? Or did I just imagine that? <laughs> is that just um, the vivid picture no, I painted for I, myself? I think there is something about his hair and, and then his clothing was made out of... Well, basically rocking sure, I'm not sure about his hair, but no, his clothing was made out of, like, skins. And he ate locusts and honey. So, He's just, I don't remember about his hair. I I guess I just decided he had dreadlocks well, or something. Well, it would fit. I mean, his hair would probably be curly, and he probably wasn't brushing it. So, probably, I mean... It's, it's entirely it's, like... Yeah, it's... A, it's, it's a, anyway. Anyway. Um, do you... I'm going to look that up while you continue okay. on. Do you ever struggle with entitlement? Yes, of course I do. Of course <laughs> I do. I'm a I'm a white woman from a like middle class family in North America. Of course I do. Mm -hmm. Good point. Um, I, I I do, and um, you know, sometimes when I am I'm invited to speak somewhere, and I they put me up up in a just a nasty motel or. I'm housed in a drafty old room with gum stuck to the sides of the bunks. And, you know, I feel kind of put out. And earlier in my ministry career, I, I was entitled and I wanted to make a name for myself. Right? I wanted to gain a reputation that, that made people respect me. And, of course, in the underground church... Nobody wants to make a name for themselves. No, that's <laughs> they, the, they, want, they want to assume a name that's not theirs. Yeah, they don't even use their real names. Um, if they make a name for themselves, they'll end up in prison. And I just found that the leaders of the underground church are so humble. They're offended if you even speak of them as leaders. They never use those terms. They, they talk about the church or the movement that they serve. Yeah, yeah, they're servants. They're not, they're yeah. not leaders. And it's, it's not about them. It's all for God's glory. It's about making him famous. So how do you pray in Chinese? Well, here's my version. Oh God, I give you all of my hours and all of my strengths and weaknesses to use however you please for your glory. When we got home from China, this became my prayer. And as I reflected on what I saw and experienced there, and as I daily prayed this prayer, it was interesting. I, I became freer. Mm. I, I became free from my own agenda. I became free of my self-consciousness and my ego. And it's, it's ironic because the Chinese Christians from all external indications are not free at all. And yet real freedom is found when we release everything to him. Our time, our baggage, our reputation, everything. There are things about the underground church that I wish we had here. I wish we had their passion. Yeah. I, it's, it was just undiluted passion. And, you know, it's interesting when we were invited to be part of church services 
like I guess what I expected when I walked in was that the, the air would just be crackling with the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and I, if, if that's the way it is, I didn't perceive it. But where I saw the Holy Spirit's power was in their obedience and their love in, in the fruit of their lives. Um, I just don't see that here very much. One of the things I heard um, some pastors talking about recently is that they assumed before COVID that their congregations were much more uh, mature and much deeper spiritually than they are. Oh, yeah, that resonates for sure. In what sense? Well, I think even just the maturity, um, maturity in every sense, really, um, I think when tested, when this the status quo was challenged, then we start to see people drop the way they know they should behave or they, they think they should behave in the way that they feel they deserve to behave. Um, you know, talking about entitlement. I think we mm -hmm. saw a lot of that okay. there. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of kind of the selflessness that we espouse in practice went away for a lot of us mm -hmm. um and i was guilty of that oh i, I just, think we all have been i just couldn't get my head around another point of view on certain issues and considered myself really quite superior to be honest i still do about some things <laughs> working on it and i I mean, I, I, I believe that in terms of the pandemic, there were some rights and there were some wrongs. And anyway, all that to say, I'm not super surprised by that. Mm -hmm. So our pastor at, at FAC right now is doing, or the teaching team is doing a series on really basic things like making prayer a part of every day Good. and spending time in the word every day and allowing it to speak to us and things that I would have assumed the majority of the people in the church were already putting into practice but they're learning no not really well and knowing that you're supposed to do it and doing it and knowing why you're supposed to do it. Mm. Those are different things. One of the things I thought was a really good suggestion from last Sunday was, um, you know, if you are, if you read your Bible on your phone and you have a habit of reaching for your phone and before you get to your Bible app, you're scrolling social yeah. media and then, oh, and suddenly I don't have time. I have to get ready for work. Yeah. He suggested moving the icon or the app um, to your first page mm -hmm. so that you don't have to, you don't have to other scroll stuff. through to get there. Yeah. Yeah. So I've done that. And, uh, well, not my first, first page, but the first <laughs> page I had room on. Okay. Well, you know me, I'm so techie. Um, that's not a huge issue for me, honestly, because no, I don't like, I, well, and I don't like social media. That's also so true. that does not really tempt me. And anything in my inbox just means something else I have to do. So I don't really want to go there either. That's fair. Yeah. Anyhow, um, that's maybe that's um, something someone wants to implement is move your Bible app to your front page 
or switch to a paper Bible and just don't pick up your phone till after you've had your time with God. Mm -hmm. They also um, have been encouraging a morning, noon, and evening prayer time. Nice. Um, I know you just you sort of just pray throughout the whole day, and I, I do a lot of that as well. Yeah. But my primary prayer time is in the morning. Yeah. I'm not sure where else I'd fit it in, but anyway, all that to say. Um, let's learn to pray in Chinese. God, I give you all my hours and all my strengths and weaknesses to use however you please for your glory. That's it for us today on Grow and Go. I'm Kevin Tanker. And I'm Donna Carter. Thanks for listening to Grow on the Go. Share this episode on social media and find more great programs at faithstrongtoday.com.